This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. How are you today, Trav? I'm doing super good. I had a lot of fun with this homework, Drew. How about you? I'm doing really good, too. Um, I didn't have to work my day job today before we recorded, recorded, so that's always a good thing. Um, I'm also very excited about this episode. Ed, Uh, Ed and Eddie, how can't you be? (laughs) How can't you be? Honestly, how can't you be? And we didn't really mention this in the last podcast, but this is going to be, there's going to be a companion episode to this episode eventually where we finish out the season. So uh, we'll talk about that in that episode and that should be coming out next year, hopefully. Yep. Um, Let's just get right into it here. I want to talk about the top uh, three best-selling video games in 1999. It's a very, very, very Pokemon uh, heavy year. Uh, Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow for the Game Boy. Obviously, right? Obviously. Uh, 8.9 million copies sold. That's crazy, crazy, crazy. Yep. Uh, Donkey Kong 64 at a close second with 1.9 million. So Pokemon <laughs> only sold it, outsold it by uh, 8 million copies or 7 million copies. That's it. Yeah, no big deal. That's it. <laughs> and then number three is Pokemon Pinball for the Game Boy. And number four is Pokemon Snap. For the Nintendo 64. Super Smash Brothers gets in there at number five, and then Gran Turismo for the PlayStation. So, very, very, very uh, Nintendo dominated year. Yeah. Which stranglehold by Pokemon there. D- definitely a stranglehold. You couldn't put that any, any better way. No. <laughs> and I don't think anyone would assume Super Smash is number five on that list. For how popular that was in my group of friends, right. I can't believe that it was only number five. And for how everybody holds that game on such a pedestal, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's Super Smash Brothers for 64. To be fair i bought red blue and yellow so i'm three of the copies <laughs> of the 8.9 million um i got red and bl- i got red and blue i never bought yellow but i got red and blue so i'm i'm right in there with you yep. i never played any of the other pokemon games though uh, a friend of mine had snap i didn't really get it i wasn't really too interested in i it. didn't i mean yeah my cousin had snap and i watched it for a little bit and just thought Exactly. I just, I didn't really get it. And there was a, was, was there a Snap remake? Yeah. Re- yeah. Recently. Yeah. 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 That's kind of got a lot of hype. And again, I'm like, eh. it seems like a game that would be really big in Japan. Like yeah. something that they would absolutely love in Japan. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of video games and the topic being Ed, Ed and Eddie this episode, they had some uh, video games also. They occurred in the two thousands, but quickly here. Uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, The Misadventures for the PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox, also for the Game Boy Advance and Microsoft Windows. And that was a 3D platformer game. Ed, Ed, and Eddie Jawbreakers was a GBA game, and that was a 2D side-scroller. And then Ed, Ed, and Eddie Scam of the Century was a DS game, and that was an action game. Nice. And like I said, all three games after the year 2000. So, moving on. Moving on. Uh, The top movie at the box office in 1999. Should have been able to guess this one. I should have been able to guess it before I even looked it up. But I looked it up and I was like, oh, duh. Duh. Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Uh, Worldwide, uh, $924 million. It's a billion-dollar movie. It's $1.6 billion in uh, 2022. Wasn't there a lottery for $1.6 billion (laughs) recently? Isn't that what it was? Yeah. Something like that. That's a crazy amount of money. Um, With that out of the way, before we move on to the next segment, uh, any links and all sources that I use in the production of this podcast are going to be included in the show notes, as always. So do we have our jawbreakers ready? 
Mine already. <laughs> Me yeah. too. So let's move on over to that homework review. Uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, uh, we're going to do season one. Well, we did half of season one from uh, January 4th, 1999 to June 11th, 1999. There was 13 episodes, and this podcast is covering six of them. Created by Danny Antonucci for the Cartoon Network, and it was produced by Canada-based, a.k.a. Cartoons. Uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie were uh, voiced by Ed, Matt Hill, Double D, Samuel Vincent, and Eddie, Tony Sampson. Um, all the episodes were written by one of these four writers or in conjunction with each other. So Danny Antonucci, Jono Howard, Mike Kubat, and Rob Boltier. Boltier. Um, I did look at some articles about Ed, Ed, and Eddie because, you know, it wasn't a, a huge show on my radar until I was a little bit older, mm-hmm. uh, probably in my 20s. So this, I mean, this episode was kind of homework for me. It really was because yeah. you've seen these episodes a million more times than I have. Right, right. Uh, there was actually only one episode out of all of these that I even recognized. So it was it was cool. It was like a lot of brand new uh, watching for me. Yeah, that's cool because you haven't really had that so far. Not not yet so <laughs> it's far. It's me mostly with right, that. So right. that's really cool. Uh, so I found an article called The Untold Truth of Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and that was on Looper.com, and that was written by a guy named Benjamin Falbo, F-A-L-B-O, Benjamin Falbo. Um, the series has uh, very adult origins. Prior to Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Antonucci was the animator for Can Image Productions, which was a division of Hanna-Barbera. So we all know Hanna-Barbera, right? You're talking uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You're talking Huckleberry Hound, right? You're talking (laughs) Scrappy-Doo. Flintstones. I mean, there's there's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons. Uh, So speaking of the Flintstones, Antonucci worked on the Flintstones Comedy Hour. I didn't get any dates for these, which probably would have been good, but I'm assuming it was most likely in the 80s. Um, The Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo show, that's one that I remember watching on repeats as a kid. I don't remember ever watching the Flintstones Comedy Hour. No. No. So I've never been a big Flintstones guy. Same. Um, He was also, Antonucci was also an animator on a a segment of uh, 1981's Heavy Metal. Have you ever seen Heavy Metal, Trav? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's actually really cool. It's a whole bunch of like avant-garde, uh, super adult and progressive animation set to like the biggest rock hits of the time. Nice. Um, I could see us doing it for uh, uh, an episode for homework, but it's very rated R. And we've thrown this idea back and forth about the idea of doing rated R uh, movies or rated R television, mature rated television. And uh, I think we're going to delve into it eventually. Oh, yeah. But they'll just going to be a warning beforehand to go <laughs> yeah. ask your parents before you watch this, uh, watch this homework. Yeah, hide your kids. Um, but his first, Antonucci's first major breakout thing was a, a short anima- uh, anima- was an animated short called Lupo the Butcher. Um, so this uh, Lupo the Butcher was like kind of a viral video for its time. It went viral in the same sense that uh, the way South Park did, where people were trading copies of copies of VHS tapes to get people to watch this. So kind of the super underground, like, rise up. It led to Lupo being licensed for uh, Converse commercials and MTV uh, station identification stuff. And uh, the internet said also a Levi Strauss commercial, but I tried to find said commercial or any photos of this commercial and... I don't, I don't know if it exists, so I don't know if it was a print campaign, but you'd think Google image search would have come up with something. Yeah, seems so, a little far-fetched. Eh, I don't know if that exists or not. Um, so, But those first two, they had TV commercials that featured Lupo, if I didn't say that. Um, with the success that Antonucci gained from this, he founded AKA Cartoons, and 
subsequently created The Brothers Grunt for MTV. Um, The Brothers Grunt is horrendously, horrendously bad. (laughs) Um, We both watched both of these shorts. Well, it was easy to watch Lupo the Butcher because it's three minutes long. Right. Uh, The Brothers Grunt, I invested about 20 minutes into it. And uh, man, it's just really, really bad. But to speak on Lupo, it's just this crazy Italian dude that's swearing at the food that he's cutting up. Yeah. It's, I didn't really particularly get it. I understand that that type of thing wasn't really in existence in uh, the mid to late 80s besides something like heavy metal. So yeah, I guess. I, I don't really understand its appeal. It just must have been so like avant-garde, cutting yeah, edge for yeah, the time that so people glommed onto it. Before YouTube, before all these things where you could see it easily. Mm-hmm. But it seems weird to me that a three-minute video was underground VH te- VHS VHS tape. Right. It's just weird to me. It, it is weird. It's a, a definitely a different time. And, you know, I remember as a kid, like, getting dubs of dubs of dubs of certain things on VHS. Like, I think we mentioned in one episode, that's how I originally saw uh, uh, C- the CKY videos originally, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that thing, that did exist, but uh, it's just a, a weird thing. It's like a, right. I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing. But it, go check it out. The YouTube link is in the show notes, so go check it out. It's definitely worth seeing. You can see... That it's Danny Antonucci that has drawn and done it from cover to cover. I mean, it's, his style is very apparent in it. Right. And then uh, to talk about the Brothers Grunt very shortly, because that's all it really even deserves. Uh, it's the weirdest, like, grossest, like, I, it's just the weirdest thing I've seen in a really, really long time. And it makes almost <laughs> no sense. And um, it's about these four brothers from this weird, like, cult brotherhood that are trying to rescue another brother that has escaped. It's go check it out if you if you want. I'm not gonna recommend it. <laughs> yeah. It's on YouTube, so you're the willing link... to lose twenty minutes of your life. Yes. Go check it out. I did watch it enough where I saw that they did that classic MTV's uh, convention where uh, you they work music videos into the episode. Oh, okay. So there'd be like breaks. Like one of the brothers got a TV smashed on his head, and then all of a sudden I saw the sign by Ace of Base is playing on it, <laughs> okay. and everybody in this bar is just like stopped and like just staring at the screen while this. <laughs> It's, it was very weird. So I can see why it got canceled. It was critically panned. Nobody liked it. People didn't understand why it was even on TV. But uh, moving on to the next little segment of, of that article. Uh, it says that the series was created on a dare. The article literally says, uh, yes, it was created on a dare. Uh, but what it neglects to say about the dare was why the dare was made, who the dare was made with. What was the reasoning behind any of this? It just doesn't yeah. even explain it whatsoever. So who knows if that is the actual origin of Ed, Ed and Eddie, but apparently it was on a dare. So, um, but after he created, after Antonucci created Ed, Ed and Eddie, he made like the series Bible. So he created all the guidelines for each character and all the guidelines for the world that they're going to be in. And then he called Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Uh, Cartoon Network called him back in 20 minutes and agreed to give Antonucci full creative control and the deal was struck. Um, Full creative control seems to make the best TV and movies. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine uh, Antonucci not being able to do what he wanted to do with this series. It just would have been a completely different thing. Um, Antonucci's favorite episode is Boo Ha Ha. That's season five, episode 13. It's a Halloween episode, so nice. that's pretty neat. Um, I guess with that out of the way, I, we can probably move on over to that episode by episode. Start breaking down these episodes a little bit. Yeah, I will say it's kind of funny that he contacted Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network because just watching the Brothers Grunt, 
that definitely seems way more Nickelodeon animated. It kind of looks like yeah. a Rocco's Modern Life or something, but Ed, Ed and Eddie does not at all look like a Nickelodeon show. The animation's way different. They've got, like, the really thick black mm-hmm. lines around the characters, mm-hmm. and I like that a lot. It's funny that you mentioned that, because at the time that the Brothers Grunt was out, it was the same time when uh, uh, Real Monsters were, were out. Sure. And there was comparisons drawn between the two series at the time. Yeah. And that, uh, I don't know exactly how you say the production studio that made, like, uh, Real Monsters and Rugrats. Is it, like, Klasky Cuscapo? Like, how, sure. whatever that is. Like, we're super offended about that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it's, our show is nothing like the Brothers Yeah, that show is horrible. <laughs> right. Do not link us to that show in any way. <laughs> That's really funny that you brought that up. Uh, but yeah, episode one, uh, 1A. So it's going to be episode one, 1A, and 1B. So because of two, the two segments. Yeah. Um, it was called The Ed Touchables, and that was written by Joan O. Howard and Dan- Danny Antonucci. Um, the show starts off with everybody's stuff getting stolen. Uh, including Double D's uh, uh, magnifying glass and yeah. Sarah's dolly poo-poo. Poor Sarah's dolly poo-poo. <laughs> um, so then what are the Ed's going to do? They're going to make a plan to find out who the toucher is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole time when he's screaming, the toucher, the toucher, the toucher, I was yeah. like, this is weird. <laughs> Definitely weird. And then putting the sign on Ed that says, don't touch. Oh, no toucher is going to be able to resist this. <laughs> okay. okay. But they catch Johnny. Johnny, Johnny, yeah. of course, Johnny, because uh, Johnny and both him, both Johnny and Plank want to feel uh, Ed's haircut. Uh, Plank is going to be one of the best zero line characters <laughs> in any show ever. I love Johnny and Plank. Uh, yeah, it, it is the truth. Plank is one of the best zero line characters probably ever. Probably ever. Uh, he beats Bane for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they capture Johnny and they're interrogating him. Uh, which is hilarious, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, the ridiculous uh, lie detector test that Double D sets up. Yeah. Like, what In a, a toaster? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, but quickly, uh, Eddie turns his attention to Plank, right? Because that's, yep. that's how he's going to get Johnny to talk, basically, right? Yep. He gets Johnny. He gets Johnny to confess, and basically because he has to pee, right? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Eddie's starting to do like uh, the water torture on Plank, and right. it He's makes Johnny swell up like crazy. Right. So he gets Johnny to confess, and then Johnny is basically turned over to the neighborhood to do with that, do with him what they want. Uh, but it turns out that everybody had just misplaced their things. Yep. Even <laughs> even double D, which does not seem possible. But. Right. So then all of a sudden, the dudes, the Eds, they have a whole jar of change. So did the other kids in the neighborhood pay them to find out who the toucher was? I guess. I'm guessing that's what, that was just maybe cut for time, I guess. I yeah. don't know. Um, so they get their jawbreakers, you know, uh, for solving the case. Um, and... One of the better lines of the whole uh, episode is right at the end. He says, you know what you know what they say, a little childhood trauma builds character, right? That's always a good line right at the <laughs> end. And then, of course, they end up uh, having to chase their jawbreakers down the street right after that. Of course. Um, I liked it as a first segment, a good introduction to the sto- the, to the, to the universe, to the story, to the show, to everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, lets you know everything you need to know that. All they care about is getting enough money to get jawbreakers. Yeah, you get to see every kid in the neighborhood, which is a good introduction. Um, You got a good feel for the personality of each Ed, right? Double D is definitely crazy neurotic. Uh, Eddie's the wild card, obviously. And Ed, he really balances out the whole group. Yeah. Uh, Just because he's just a complete, you know, 
he's an anchor, really. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he just completely levels both of them out completely. Yeah, it's, he's a doofus. He's a big time doofus. He's he kind of plays like the straight man almost, right? Yeah. All the jokes kind of bounce off of uh, off <laughs> yep. of Ed. Dork. <laughs> and my favorite, uh, my favorite whole thing in the whole episode is when uh, Eddie backhands Plank and gets the splinters. In his yeah, hand. splinters. <laughs> like Plank did something to him. But he's the one who smacked him. That uh, was a it was a good episode, and just ends with them chasing those jawbreakers, which I remember that uh, scene quite often used in promotion promotional material for Eddie yeah, and Eddie, where I they're chasing so those too. chasing those jawbreakers down the street. Um, that segues nicely into uh, the second episode, or I should say, one B of episode one. Right, and nagged to Ed. Um, show opens up with them going on a bug hunt, um, but they get to meet the cankers in the woods. So we get to meet May, Marie, and Lee, um, and they have a very similar dynamic to the Eds. This, the female version of the Eds, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, very evident that they enjoy tormenting the Eds. Uh, we find out that they've just moved to town, but they act as though they've known them for years. Yeah. Which, you know, kids kind of do that with each other, so I guess it kind of makes sense. True. Um, the Kankers end up abducting the Eds, and it's basically just to play like a twisted game of house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very twisted game of house. Um, they get the, the dad's robes on uh, the Eds, um, Bubba, Rod, and Butch, so yeah. it sounds like some good names. Um, I kind of was confused throughout a lot of the episode. I'm like, they're sisters. What's with the three dads? They must just say that they're sisters. And then I figured it out. They all have the same mother. And it's three different men for fathers. Right, That's, right. I finally figured it out. I was like, oh, I get it now. They're half sisters. So they hypothetically live in this trailer with three dads. I mean, hypothetically, if they all have, if they have all the robes there, I guess, or yeah, maybe the, the mom is nowhere to be found. Maybe the dad just they each show up individually over time throughout the year. Right. Yeah. They get <laughs> I turns. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the cankers, do they love the Eds or do they, do they love to torment the Eds? I think they love the Eds. I mean, it's both, but they love the, Eds. they love the Eds. Yeah. Once they kick them out, you know, and they run away, they're, Oh, they're so dreamy. <laughs> they, they do that Watch every them time. Run. <laughs> hey, they're very into making food for the Eds immediately. Right. If uh, we want to call that food. Yeah, yeah. The, the powdered milk. Have you ever had powdered I've milk? I've never had powdered milk. Me neither, but by uh, the experience that the Eds had, I don't think I ever want to have powdered milk. I think milk. that's probably why I never did, watching them cough up <laughs> the powder constantly. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, I don't know what the basis of that food burger-looking thing. But the canker burger? They throw lard and ketchup on it. So <laughs> yep, the secret need, sauce, apparently. right? Um, did you like how uh, Ed was using a straw to eat his? That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> he has no qualms. Just, uh, I don't care. If I have to drink this burger, I'll drink it. All of them really enjoyed it. And I tried to put myself in their situation where being a kid, maybe you'd like just weird, gross food, but I just couldn't put myself there. No. There's no <laughs> I just way. couldn't put myself there. Yeah, they're pulling non-food objects out of their mouth and burger no no <laughs> giant sprocket yep <laughs> this is all a clever ploy by the the cankers though to basically trick them into doing their housework yeah clean up your mess yeah. right after we made the mess okay. <laughs> right but they get that done by playing the victim like what have you done for me we do all these things for you blah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's time for you no you uh good for nothing to start pulling your own weight around here uh, but by that time, the Eds have pretty much had enough, you know, and they uh, basically 
put an end to doing the chores, especially Eddie. He's definitely had oh. enough of doing the chores because he's pissed. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely pissed. He'll just clean everything and he's breaking shit. And then she says that it better be fighting over me, I hear in there. Because, <laughs> yeah, the cankers storm off and they tell the Eds to get out. So the Eds are like, oh, it's that easy. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Goodbye. <See ya. laughs> but then the cankers, they go full crazy because they've already made children dolls of the Eds. Yikes. <laughs> Oh man, the the Eds definitely hightail it out of there. And right after that, it's the Kanker's own sick and twisted game. Yep. Um, did you like the posters on the wall in the Kanker's bedroom? Oh, hilarious! Very hilarious. An outboard motor engine or outboard boat engine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Employees must wash hands. <laughs> <laughs> so they must steal those from uh, department stores and such, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So that one ends, uh, not a whole lot of closure at the end of that episode. No lessons learned. Uh, maybe don't be a fool and <laughs> right. do yeah. weird stuff. Yeah. I don't know. No lessons learned at the end of that episode. Definitely. That's sure. I mean, the first episode between 1A and 1B, you realize what their objective is, to scam people for money and get job breakers, and that the Kanker sisters are going to stand in their way as the series goes on. Basically. Yes. Yes. So they do set it up nicely. That's a good way to put it. So, episode two, two A, Pop Goes the Ed. Uh, it's a Jono Howard and Danny Antonucci joint. Uh, the Eds have a brand new business. Uh, of they're scheming, right? Right. They're scheming. Uh, Ed's beehive be gone, and the results uh, end up with them being chased by a swarm of bees. I mean, what else <laughs> yep. would happen? <laughs> Obviously. <Yep. laughs> the worst part of that whole segment is Eddie completely hangs uh, Ed and Double D out to dry when he runs into the house, and Double D and Ed just get be stung everywhere just completely destroyed yep uh you get a funny moment though right after that with uh uh ed asking eddie if they can play something else <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh immediately after that they're the boys are just trying to escape that summer heat and they're looking for shade everywhere which is pretty funny because the sun's moving all over the place right yeah that, that's funny <laughs> that's it, it's what it feels like when you're a kid and you're trapped outside it feels like you just can't get out of the sun but i like that gag a lot it was pretty dang good mm-hmm. um luckily for the eds kevin lets uh them know that there's a sprinkler party going on at naz's house but they're not invited yeah. <laughs> doesn't stop them so what does Eddie do? He goes and breaks out them banana hammocks. <laughs> Come on. And the fact that they're so tight on these children, they're supposed right. to be his older brother. And why does he have three of the same banana hammock? I, I don't know, but it does. It's funny. So. It is very funny, but they do look incredibly ill-fitting, which is just unfortunate for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the Eds, they do make it to the sprinkler party and they make a big crash entrance, be- entrance because how else would they enter the scene? Right. Right. Uh, Eddie even stops everybody and is like, we got to make a big grand entrance and they just crash into everything. Yeah. That's what they do. That is what they do. So at this party, the Eds, they both like creep out and gross out everybody there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're chowing all that food, just being gross, throwing the hamburgers all over the all over the place, and then the awkward mingling, right? The brain extraction extraction techniques that Double D is uh, telling yeah. everybody about. Come yep. on, and then the sci-fi horror film, which is very on on uh, on brand for Ed, you know, yeah. <laughs> trying way too hard, you guys. 
Uh, man, so much so. I mean, they're grossed out and they're creeped out so much so that the other party goers are now avoiding the Eds at all costs. You know, they're running from the dance floor over to the food, from the food over to the dance floor. They have no interest in hanging out with the Eds, it seems like. zero attention to them ever. So, obviously, Eddie comes up with a plan to get the crowd back on their side, right? Right. (laughs) What else would he do? This'll work. This'll definitely work. Uh, so... They're going to do, like, the most acrobatic sprinkler leap anybody's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, they managed to do it and simultaneously expose themselves when all the Speedos break. Like, Yeah. Ed <laughs> and Double D don't move at all, but no. their banana hammocks snap all the same as Eddie's. Well, okay. Good for them, though. Nobody notices, and they're able to run over to the kiddie pool. <laughs> yeah. And Lauren watching this with me, she said, why didn't, if no one's paying attention, why didn't they just run home? But good point. They, they hop in the pool. They hop in that pool. And make it more awkward. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> make it more awkward. Make it more awkward. It gets more awkward. They're stuck in that pool, like you said, for hours. Um, until everybody goes home uh, when they're having that. What? So when they're having the fire, why wouldn't have anybody been like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess they hate them enough that, that they don't care. Or the Eds are so out there and odd that that's not too off of what they may have done anyways. Yeah. suits or not. Right. <laughs> But they finally get to get up after everybody's gone, and uh, guess what? Just like the episode opens, it ends. They end up being chased by a swarm of bees. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so I liked that episode. It was pretty funny. Uh, nothing really too uh, groundbreaking to draw from it, um, but it had some good gags, some funny lines, and uh, I had a good time with that one. Another great thing about this show, not a lot of lessons to learn. Nope, nope. Uh, uh, so 2B is Over over Your Ed, and that one is a Jono Howard and Danny Antonucci written episode, uh, segment I should say. We get to see each of the Ed's shower habits. Um, obviously Double D is uh, manic about it. Of course. Eddie's wearing goggles and jamming out to music. And then one of the better lines of the series so far, uh, when Ed walks into his disgusting bathroom and says, what did I come in here for? And then leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Promptly leaves. I mean, it obviously sets up the rest of the story in this segment, but it was a it was a really funny uh, funny line. Yeah. And they make that NOG drinks uh, stand. Um, Ed Stink has become a problem. Oh yeah. Um, what's the secret to their energy drink, Trav? Uh, ton of sugar. <laughs> sugar, 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 sugar. While Double D is counting grains and then counting grains. Yeah. Doesn't Eddie dump a whole bag or a whole, a whole jar or something in yep. there? Um, so Double D has some to test it out. Now he's just running crazy all over the place. Yeah. Um, simultaneously, Ed's just completely destroying and messing up the NOG drink uh, stand. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they come to the conclusion after the stand is completely destroyed and some of the neighborhood kids have made fun of them that it's time to give Ed a complete image makeover, right? Yeah. Because C- starting with the bath because he stinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That Ed car wash, I got a kick out of that when they uh, loaded him up in into that uh, wagon, which I also feel like they've spent a lot of time nude in these first two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Is sitting in a wagon cool? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> so now it's off to Eddie's room to go get a whole bunch of clothes from his closet, his brother's closet, his I'm, parents' closet. Yeah, either his brothers or his parents. There's a pair of high heels in there, so it might be a collective closet. It's a gigantic closet. It's and enormous, that's for sure. Uh, he comes out looking pretty good, though. Ed comes he, out looking pretty good, He does come right? out looking pretty good. <laughs> a lot of the 
like the closet and the hallways and everything seem really big in this show and i'm assuming that that's just like alluding to when you're a kid everything seems bigger because the house doesn't seem big from the outside by any means no i i would agree with you that's a a lot of times i think the way the the scenes are animated it's like got that upward angle you know, mm-hmm. so to give yeah. you that, uh, like, the feel of you being in the room with them. True, yeah. So that makes a lot of sense, Trav. I like that a lot. Um, After we get the clothes done, Ed's going to learn some cool moves from Eddie. So just an excuse for some slapstick gags, which are always funny. And then uh, the time for the cool phrases from Double D. Cool phrases in this uh, segment are great. I love everything that Ed oh, yeah. says. In this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Five, nine, give or take. Like, <laughs> and they just think everything he says is so awesome. They absolutely love it. They absolutely love it. Um, the makeover works on the neighborhood. Everybody loves Ed now all of a sudden, so much so that he gets his own variety show in somebody's shed. Yeah. <laughs> and the kids are paying to go see him. Including his younger sister, Sarah. That's the, that's the biggest kicker to me. She just... Now thinks he's cool and isn't annoying because he doesn't stink. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Sarah's one of the more uh, uneven characters of the whole. She's all over the place. She is definitely all over the all over the place. Um, Guess who shows up? The Kankers, right? Who else would show up? (laughs) They're gonna. They're just there to ruin the whole scam, and they do that, you know, by calling Ed a fraud by. Getting him to knock over into that uh, curtain and yeah. have the curtain all over him and stuff. Say something funny. <laughs> and then they find his list and yep. call him out. Yabba dabba. <laughs> uh, so the cankers get the money. Everybody just lets them steal the money. Yeah, so they don't care. No one says, give me my money back. They just, they don't want to deal with the cankers right. either. So. And end of segment. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Game there over. Um I, I got a couple more of those lines that Ed, Edisms that he had during the, during the episode, like swiggity swag, it's in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> Don't smell it, just gel it. <laughs> Yabba dabba crackers. And then the, the very final one was the cheese is always twice the fence post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're all love it. Absolutely love every bit of that. Um, moving on over to episode three now. Um, 3A is Sir Ed a lot, and that's a Jono Howard and Danny Antonucci episode again. Um, this one opens up with Eddie toweling down a car that's not his whatsoever. Yeah, right. And I, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but I relate everything to Friends, and this episode of Friends came out after. But Joey does this with a Porsche on the street. He's <laughs> waxing this Porsche forever, and it's working. Girls think it's his car. And then eventually the guy takes the car out and he builds a car with cardboard boxes and pretends like he still has his car. <laughs> so that's just what I thought as he's waxing up this car. But he actually gets inside the car and starts playing yeah. the music. And So the keys must have been in it. I guess. It's a pretty crazy cul-de-sac these guys live in. It is in. a crazy, crazy cul-de-sac. Um, so yeah, it's not even his car. And so he, uh, Eddie and Double D head off. To find Ed because they think he's still sleeping because that's probably what he does a lot. Right. So they kind of break into uh, Ed's house, <laughs> just sort of crawl just, through a window yep. and get into his basement. Yep. Um, and they think they see him uh, sleeping in bed. Uh, turns out it's a bumper. A bumper. <laughs> Why is the bumper in there? Ed sleeps with a bumper, I guess. I guess he does. And did you notice the license plate, AKA one? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so I mean, yep. AKA Cartoon Studios. So. Yeah. It's got to be what it's referencing. Couldn't be anything else. Uh, it turns out Ed's having a tea party with his sister, Sarah. 
Sarah is queen of the tea party. And after some uh, breath holding, some uh, convincing, gets all the Eds to be wearing dresses. Yep. Uh, just in time for Prince Jimmy to get there so the games can begin. But not before uh, Eddie denies Jimmy coming in because, of course, that's what Eddie would do. Right. So the games turn out to be horse racing with Eddie and Ed as the horses. Of course. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately for Ed uh, or Eddie, uh, Sarah loses. Because, yes. I mean, how could you even beat Ed, though? He's a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> and because he loses, Eddie gets put in the dungeon. Um, but he gets tasked with being the fool. He doesn't really want to play along, though. Until he finds out that there's money involved. <laughs> there's money involved. That's all he needs to know. Wait, you're getting paid? And <laughs> then by the end of it, he's saying, my money. <laughs> as if it's his money. As if it's his money. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, Sarah finally finds some amusement in uh, Eddie playing along when he hurts himself. Um, and decides that throwing things at the Eds is going to be the best way to entertain herself for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah. Um, obviously, Ed does not have uh, does not feel very good about this because he's worried about getting paid. Uh, but we get that classic cartoon convention, you know, where household objects are flying everywhere, and uh, you've got to save them before they hit the ground and break all over the place. I mean, you've seen it a million times in a million different cartoons, right? Right. Exactly. Turns out that they mostly fail. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the uh, uh, vacuum cleaner ends up exploding after sucking the three of them into it um, yep. and completely destroys the house, the, at least the living room. Double D's ingenious plan to try to get the Eds out of the situation is to uh, uh, paint a picture of the living room oh, yeah, yes, and then yes. put, it in, uh, put it in the doorway. Right, <laughs> right, right. And of oh, course, this will work just fine. Of course, it's a terrible, terrible stick figure drawing. So Yeah, and it would cover you for five seconds, even if it was believable. Yeah, if you're absolutely lucky. And, and the segment ends with, your mom will never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess if you could draw anything out of that is that uh, don't let your sister throw stuff around the house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Uh, segment 3B now here in episode three is a pinch to grow an Ed. Um, I identified with this episode a little bit because I'm not a tall man. So Same here. Same <laughs> here. Definitely identified with this one a little bit. Grade school flashbacks for Drew and I. <laughs> Maybe a little bit right there. Huh? Uh, turns out Eddie's been the same height since he was eight years old and in fact has maybe shrunk. Right, yeah, because he's seemingly 12 now, because the last one was 11, and he hasn't grown at all. Right. Um, he Everything in the neighborhood now is pointing out the fact that he's short, like Jimmy and Sarah want him to be their doll. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin asks Eddie where his all his tall friends are. Yeah, yeah. And then Rolf tells Eddie that he's too little to play basketball. Um, I love Rolf, by the way. I Rolf wish there would have been one of my favorites for I sure. Wish there'd have been more Rolf in these first group of episodes. Yeah. I remember him being a lot more in the series, so it must have been later on in the series that there's more Rolf. Yeah. Because I seriously enjoyed Rolf. <laughs> in fact, uh Double D and Eddie have to give uh Double D and Ed, excuse me, have to give Eddie a boost to get onto the monkey bars to do chin-ups because he's trying to break some records, right? Right, right. Um, After he jumps off the swing set, which I swear in my memory, he thinks he's jumping super high and far, but does not. But he actually does 
quote unquote break the record for jumping <laughs> off a sling. Right, right. So yeah, you'd think that he'd be able to get up to them monkey bars or at least get on them the way that you would normally get on them and maybe yeah. grab a <laughs> grab a rung that way. Right. Um so he Eddie storms off, but unfortunately for Eddie, he runs into the cankers and they treat him no no differently than anybody else has treated him that day. Um but luckily for Eddie, uh Double D and Ed have a plan to make him tall. Plan A is to have Eddie hold on is to have Eddie hold on to a tree while Ed pulls on him. So Yeah, Sarah, what are you doing? <laughs> she says, making Eddie tall. I'm telling mom. And then uh, doesn't uh, Jimmy go, I wanna be tall. I wanna be tall. <laughs> but I, I gotta say my favorite line in all six episodes that we just passed up when Eddie is frustrated with Ed and says, You think you're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> as if that's something that's controlled or it's not really a think situation no. he's just taller than you but that's a really i love that when he tries to push ed and he moves instead of ed you think you're so tall <laughs> that's a really good line i like that line a lot um but plan b is to have eddie eat an inflatable raft and it, it works for a second it does work for a second <laughs> Seems like it'd be very painful, but we will suspend our uh, disbelief for a second with that one. Yeah. Um, but now it's truly Double D's turn to shine, right? Yeah. Uh, he says, the plans are complete. To my garage. Um, behold, the walking braces. Uh, remote controlled lifting boots. Yeah. And they actually kind of work, right? They do kind of work. But... That button is very sensitive. Very sensitive, and there's no <laughs> control. It's just one button. Figure it out. Figure it out. So now with this newfound power, this newfound might that Eddie has, what is he going to do? He's going to go rub it in everybody's face. Oh, yeah. He's going <laughs> to act like the tallest person you've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny when he's running around with those boots all over the neighborhood, doing yeah, everything to everybody, just getting false back. False sense of confidence. Right. He's Right, but, of course, the cankers get their hands on the remote. Of course. Uh, and Eddie gets some much-deserved karma. I mean, I think any karma he ever gets is always much-deserved. Definitely. At least that's the way it seems. It's much-deserved. More much so deserved. than any of the three, he, he deserves it. Yep, and then the, the cankers, obviously, they're going to push that button so many times that the remote actually breaks. I yeah. Mean, what else would they do? Uh, the boots go absolutely haywire and uh, send the three Eds into low Earth ar- orbit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's possible. <laughs> and they all come crashing down to Earth and Eddie ends up in the Dolly bassinet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, and then for me, the best line of that, epi- of that uh, segment, probably the best line of the whole episode for me, is at the very end when uh, Ed says, you know what, Double D? He's got your, your eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Oh man, that was a that was a funny episode. I uh I feel like the cankers are a really good addition in any episode. Oh yeah. Um I definitely don't like them at all. Yeah. But they add so much to the episode. Right. It's nice to have them in the episode. Definitely. Um it definitely it seems like they're the main I mean, they are the main foil for the three Eds. Uh, and nobody else in the neighborhood even seems to care about the Eds as much right. as the yeah, cankers do. Exactly. Uh, and then, I don't know if this is just because we haven't watched cartoons in forever, but do you get a lot of Looney Tunes vibes from this show? Yeah, absolutely. Like running through the tiny little hole in the fence mm-hmm. and he squeezes through or hiding behind the lamppost and 
falling from, like you said, low orbit down mm-hmm. into the ground, just a hole in the ground. No one's hurt. They just get up. Just, right. I like that a lot. Yeah, a lot of the the visual gags, the sight gags, are very Looney Tunes reminiscent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to say earlier, too, a lot of the um, set designs, not background work is what I want to say, is for me, like really rem- reminiscent, for me is really reminiscent of Ren and Stimpy. The yeah. way the neighborhood looks. Yep, definitely. It just really really speaks to me of Ren and Stimpy and an obvious uh, influence there. Um, I guess Antonucci did say one time that the backgrounds are so flat and characterless because he's like, as a kid, do you remember what the textures on your neighbor's house yeah. was? Like, And I actually like that. I yeah. don't know why, but I like that in the show that they're not wasting you looking anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Really? It does make you focus on the characters. Yeah. I like that a lot too. Um, in episode four now, four A is called Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Deads. I get Dawn of the Eds. Eds. And that's a uh, three guys in this one: Jono Howard, Danny Antonucci, and Rob Boltier. They all will have writing credits on this one. Um, the segment opens up with the Eds dumpster diving. Well, it's Ed doing the dirty work, so I mean it's Ed doing the dumpster diving. Yeah. Uh, they found bottles to turn in for jawbreakers. We don't live in a deposit state. So I have no, no connection to doing this whatsoever. Right, right. It's, I mean, it's a thing that I've heard of people doing, but I've never done it before in my life. So, Same. uh, on their way to cash in these bottles for, to get drawbreakers, uh, the Eds run across a movie poster for the robot rebel ranch. And unfortunately for the Eds, it's adults only, no. <laughs> but Eddie's convinced that they can get into the movie, right? Just oh, got to yeah. now cash in the bottles for movie tickets instead of for jawbreakers. Right. Um, he even goes as far as saying that uh, Ed would be his wife and Double no Double D would be his wife. And I don't remember. I think Eddie was going to be the kid. Double D was going to be the wife. And Ed was going to be the father, maybe. I don't yeah. even remember. But I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but on their way to the theater... The Eds get stranded slash distracted at the junkyard dump thing, whatever that you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and they're going to end up spending their whole day in the junkyard just using their imaginations, you know, and running wild and recreating the movie that they were going to try to get into. That's kind of what I drew from yeah, it. Like, definitely. So I guess to poke a hole in it, then how does Ed know the exact plot of the movie? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> but I mean, they do things in this junkyard, like trying to contact our earth via car radio. You know, they find shelter in that old van, that hideous van that has still, van. still has a waterbed fully full of water in it. And they <laughs> jump on it. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. I think even as a 12 year old, I think I would have been like, ah, I'm not going in there. <laughs> yeah. I think that made me never want to go hang out at the junkyard. And then of course, what else are you going to do? If you're at the junkyard, you're going to dress in trash. Obviously. <laughs> Seems odd for double D to be okay with hanging out there, let alone putting garbage on his body. Definitely <laughs> way out of character for double D. Uh, but the cankers are on the scene and they're tormenting Kevin. At least somebody else has drawn the attention of the cankers for a little while. Yep. And all because they want to know what color his underwear is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But Ed wants to save his fellow space cadet, uh, space outlaw from the cankers. I should say he wants to save his fellow space outlaw from the cankers. Um, and he does that. Uh, and Kevin's just like, thanks. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Dork. 
But now Ed is very concerned about the robot bounty hunters. <laughs> um, but we get to see right before that that Double D has uh, has made a rocket. And, of course, Eddie wants to go in it. And, of yeah. course, Eddie wants him to launch it. So that's what happens. Thankfully, uh, Double D was smart enough to pack a parachute in there. But yep. still doesn't work all the way because the button gets pushed, yeah. detaches the parachute, and Ed still or Eddie ends up crashing into Double D anyways, right? It's a good gag. It's a funny gag. Made me laugh. I didn't see it coming. Definitely made me, made laugh. me laugh. What would be the point of that feature? <laughs> Who to knows? press it again and get rid of the parachute? But... To uh, draw more Looney Tunes uh, comparison, that was a very Wiley Coyote thing to have happen. Definitely. The whole thing with the rocket and the spring and everything yeah. was very Wiley it Coyote. deteriorates. Yeah, yeah the whole definitely. thing was uh, probably a direct homage to, to that stuff. I, I You know, Tex Avery... Right? Was it Tex Avery that did a lot of those? Um, uh, uh, that sounds familiar. Uh, Roadrunner com- uh, cartoons. Wasn't it Tex Avery or was it the other guy? I can't think of his name. Avery sounds right. Yeah, so I think it might have been Tex Avery. Very Tex Avery-esque. Maybe it wasn't Tex Avery, but eh, who knows. Um, turns out the robot bounty hunters are Jimmy and Sarah. Um, and it's time for dinner. What a classic kid thing, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just such a classic kid thing. I, I really liked this segment cause it was just a, something that I could have seen myself doing as a kid. Right. Not necessarily hanging out in the dump, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but spending a day somewhere unexpectedly. Right. Entertaining recreating yourself. Entertaining yourself until. Finally, somebody comes riding down the block and says, your mom's looking for you. It's time for dinner or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know? So I related to that, to that segment quite a bit, quite a bit. So right on over to 4B here, Vert Ed Go, and that's a Mike Kubat and Danny Antonucci episode. Uh, the Eds get inspired to start a clubhouse from a plane towing an advertisement about a clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get any easier than that, right? Yep. Um, so they start searching for locations uh, immediately. Kevin's yard. Nope. Kevin doesn't want them there. Right? <laughs> no, no. He hates them. <laughs> the dump again. And this time <laughs> Double D has a problem with the dump. He didn't last episode, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Ed's going to be getting attacked by seagulls because he has a cream puff in his jacket for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was very unexpected to see that happen. And uh, I thought it was pretty dang funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, they check out a mail collection box, too. Uh, but finally, they find that great old tree. Uh, and it's treehouse building time. Um, Eddie wants to use Plank for some reason, right? I guess it's just more d- device to get Johnny and Plank into the episode. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, luckily for Johnny and Plank, Plank knows where there's more wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luckily, he does. <laughs> After a couple of missteps, they get the lumber they were looking for. And Double D designs up a treehouse and... Finally, they are building, and everybody is constantly falling out of the tree. <laughs> constantly, yeah, constantly falling out of the tree, over and over and over. And usually, it's Ed's fault. Yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> they uh, they remedy that situation by tying Ed to the tree eventually, which is <laughs> yeah. a smart thing to do. Just tie him up there, right? Yeah. Um, they get the job done, and it doesn't look half bad. It doesn't look like anything like the drawings that uh, Double D made. But hey. Right. I mean, when Ed is one of the three working on it, I wouldn't expect it to look like Double D had drawn up. No, definitely not. Why do you have a helmet on your butt? For protection. (laughs) For protection. (laughs) Goes on your head, dummy. It's my butt. It's my butt. (laughs) But now it's time to make that money, right? So they're going to go find the other kids in the neighborhood. 
Yeah. Yeah. Got to go find those. Who else is going to give them money, right? Who else is going to give them money? And they never have money, but yet they printed out 2,000 copies of the Join Club Ed Flyers to pass out somehow. <laughs> right. I think what Eddie literally says is now it's time to round up some suckers. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Guess what? The rest of the kids in the neighbor- neighborhood are skeptical of the Eds. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but. <laughs> but it's all about those membership fees, obviously, for Eddie. Uh, so just to prove that he actually has a clubhouse, they bring everybody in the neighborhood over to the clubhouse. And guess what? The Kankers took it over. The Kankers <laughs> took it over. After Johnny says, Plank thinks you're going to spend the money on jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, Johnny and Plank, man, Johnny and Plank. Should have had a spinoff with Johnny, Plank, and Rolf. That was oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd watch that still. <laughs> I definitely would watch that. Uh, so it's time for the Eds to take back their treehouse, right? To their, yep. their clubhouse, I should say. So they do the water balloons. Very, very ineffective. Very completely ineffective. completely backfires. Uh, so they just start doing full frontal attacks, basically. On the, the clothesline, that doesn't work. Um, one of the things uh, Ed chucks Eddie up there, which is hilarious to see him just chuck uh, Eddie way up there and then <laughs> yeah. does it again, which is very, very funny. Uh, the cankers just kick Eddie out of there and straight into a thorn bush, right? Yep. Uh, the Eds, they give up on uh, the clubhouse, but Eddie had such a good time flying through the air. He thinks that they can probably get uh, uh, people to take catapult rides if they can build yeah. a catapult. <laughs> Anything he can imagine, anything will work. Uh, uh, the funnier gag of that episode is when uh, Ed was slapping Eddie, and he just keeps on slapping him after he's back. yeah, yeah, like <laughs> just that. keeps on slapping him. Uh, there were two epi- instances in this episode uh, where they kind of broke the fourth wall, which I enjoy. Uh, when Ed gets all the lumber to the treehouse and treehouse and it crashes down on him, he sticks his head out from beneath the pile of wood and says, "The maple has landed." <laughs> And Eddie looks like straight at the camera, basically straight in in frame and says, I don't get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was kind of cool. And then also when uh, Eddie talks about getting everybody's money for the membership fees, he gets dollar signs for eyes and double D grabs one of the dollar signs and inspects it. So that's not like directly breaking the fourth wall per se, but it's like giving a nod to the audience being like, yeah, I see this dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I got a kick out of that. I always get a kick out of stuff like that. So that was entertaining for me. Uh, With that, episode four is all done. So right on over to episode five now. Episode 5A, read all about Ed. That's a Mike Kubat and Danny Antonucci episode. Uh, And this one opens up with the Ed's getting out of bed. Uh, A lot of of times these episodes seem to take these kids from the time that they wake up all the way until the time that they're going to bed, doesn't it? Like it's morning and then the episode's ending in the evening or at night or something. So that's kind of cool. It's always like a a day in the life of these (laughs) kids, right? Um, but Eddie's waking up to a supposed earthquake. Like he doesn't know what's going on. I, lo- I this is an episode that I didn't remember at all. Yeah. So I was like, is it an earthquake? Let's, what's going on here? Yeah. But no, it's just Rolf mowing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see, uh, uh, Ed in his uh, bed and he's cold with no blankets in his underwear. So he decides to just, uh, fold his mattress up onto himself for a blanket. Yeah. Why no not? Problem. Right. Sticks his feet out to, <laughs> yeah. through the bottom. Um, and then double D. Anal retentive, as always, is meticulously making his bed, ironing it, getting out the bubble leveler, 
Like, yeah, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. He's always way into that. Uh, we find out that uh, Double D has a paper route. Did you ever have a paper route? I did not. Me neither. Never had a paper route. I think I asked to get one one time, but my parents were like, you have to do it before school, you know? And I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Anymore. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, and Double D, he's got this paper out because he's saving for an electron microscope. Yep. <laughs> Only $19,000 to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this gets Eddie's wheels turning, obviously, right? Obviously. Think if you had 50 paper routes, think of all the money, right? And then he says, Ed will help you. Ed will help you. <laughs> does not volunteer himself. No, definitely he's just there for the money. He's just there for the money. Ed would be, Eddie would be good in a supervisorial role super oh, yeah. supervisional roles however you want to say that word <laughs> so finally the whole gang is there and it turns out that uh, ed went and got eddie put him on the top of the big pile of papers and he's still fast asleep up there um so he ends up eddie ends up falling out of the bed you know and then he's there to help everybody else i guess um they're all there delivering the papers and uh, the way they do the delivering of the papers is much in step with uh, their personalities, like Double D laying the papers nicely on a freshly swept doorstep. Yep. Ed jamming piles of papers into the mailbox, and then Eddie suntanning, so not not <laughs> yeah. helping. Right. Not helping at all. Um, Ed has a problem with getting into a fenced backyard, so Double D helps him out. Uh, turns out there's a little puppy dog back there, right? Yep. Um, Double D gets attacked by that dog. I can identify. <laughs> you can identify with that. Uh, but they escape it. Um, but now it's time for Double D to use his smarts to deliver his papers in an easier fashion. Right. Easier fashion. Easier. Yeah. So Double D uh, makes a newspaper cannon. And the way the thing was delivering the papers like reminded me of the video game Paperboy. Because he was yeah. shooting it like against the door yep. in the mailboxes. Then he was shooting them down the chimneys also. And I'm like... You should have been able to shoot him down the chimneys in Paperboy, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess the biggest miracle about that whole thing is that that, uh, that paper launching cannon actually works, right? It actually right. works really, really well yeah. for them. Um, it, get, it works so well that Ed gets out of control, basically, and he's just chucking paper after paper in there and chucks Eddie's bed in there, which was still on top of all the other papers. Um, and this causes the machine to start going crazy, spraying papers everywhere. And ultimately it breaks, right? Right. Uh, now they have to clean up all the papers because yeah. they're not going to get paid unless they clean up all those papers. Yep. <laughs> and it could get worse, right? And now it's raining. <laughs> yep. And there's a pretty good gag at the end with the rain starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And Double D saying, summer rains, you can never predict them. And he just kept on <laughs> saying it over and over and over. Um, to close that episode out, the papers for the next day also get delivered. And it's a gigantic pile of papers again. So, yeah. <laughs> and scene. And scene. <laughs> next episode. <laughs> uh, actually, it's just 5B. But 5B. Uh, quick shot, Ed. Uh, it's a Mike Kubot and Danny Antonucci episode. Um, the Eds find a polaroid camera in an attic do you know anybody that has an attic like that no i don't either i wish i did because i've never had an attic like that when yeah. i was a kid any house i've lived in not in this house no nope. like that'd be cool to have a fun attic like that with all types of stuff from you know decades and decades and decades ago but not, yeah. not my experience whatsoever nope my so, dad's attic was scary i did not like <laughs> to go up there <laughs> 
them searching through stuff in an attic really like gave me those like 1980s kids adventure adventure film type vibes like how yeah. Goonies is or like never ending story is where you're in a big dusty attic and there's all types of stuff up there. Um, so there's a good gag though, where double D is looking at a magazine. Um, we kind of think it might be a nudie magazine cause I wouldn't put it past, uh, uh, Eddie's parents to have that type of material in their attic. Right. <laughs> Turns out it was a praying mantis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now the Eds, they've got this Polaroid. They're running around taking all types of pictures and they get the bright idea to turn these pictures into profit by creating a calendar of all the kids in the neighborhood. Um, so they're going to go take surprise pictures of everybody. I uh, got a feeling this is not going to go well. No. <laughs> and they're forgetting that you have to pay to create calendars. So. <laughs> very, very true. Very, very true. So they start with Johnny. Freak out Johnny and Plank's gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> they quickly move on to Sarah and Jimmy. And uh, that pisses Sarah right off, you know? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Sarah's gone mad. Uh, they start throwing doll parts at the Eds, which is pretty funny. Uh, now we move on to Nas. She hasn't had a lot of uh, lines in the series so far. And nope. the Eds are immediately going to get creepy on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. A uh, secret photo from the tree branch outside Nas's window. Thankfully, the tree branch breaks and Eddie only gets a picture of himself. Yes. (laughs) Thankfully. (laughs) So they move on to their next victim, Rolf, uh, and he's making sausage because what else would he do? Right. Obviously. (laughs) Making sausage in his kitchen. Uh, The Flash makes Rolf go through the sausage making machine and turns into a salt, turns uh, Rolf into a sausage. I am a wiener. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite Rolf lines. It was a really, really good line. That was a laugh out loud one for me. Every time I watched the episode, that was a laugh out loud time. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then Victor the goat is not happy about it. Victor's gone mad. (laughs) The scene ends with Victor just sending those Eds across the neighborhood. Um, But. Kevin stumbles across the Eds, and I failed to mention, uh, the Eds have been flashing Kevin all episode with the camera, not with their clothes or anything like that, (laughs) using the flash on the camera to disorient and confuse and annoy Kevin the whole episode, but now Kevin rolls up in his, uh, uh, in his, uh, I always want to say motorcycle because it has all those motorcycle sound effects on right, his bicycle right. with the giant floodlights and yep. the sunglasses and stuff. And so he's chasing the ads because the ads they know that they're they're gonna get it now. Um, so Kevin chases them through the dump again. They're back at that dump. They they must live pretty close to that dump because that that stinks for them. Yeah, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. Uh, the ads make it down into the river. Kevin ends up in the garbage truck, and now the Eds are in the sewer. Luckily for them, or unluckily for them, I should say, uh, the sewer that they go through ends up leading right to the trailer park where the cankers live. So they end up trying to get a final picture of the cankers to round out their catalog. I don't know why, or their calendar. I don't know why they would want to even interact yeah. with them. You think they'd just hightail it out of there. Right. They didn't. Um, again, with the peeping Tom stuff from the Eds, <laughs> yep. let me advise you kids, never take pictures of people through their windows in their house. Don't, Ever. Don't do that. It won't go well for you. <laughs> no, it will not go well for you. That is a fact. Um, they get that picture. Uh, May thinks they're being abducted, which is a funny, funny little gag. 
the whole thing about people that are poor and low income always saying that they've been abducted by aliens and stuff. Right. That's a pretty funny gag. Um, they get mobbed. The ads get mobbed by the cankers, and uh, May says, "We're gonna make you pretty." <laughs> <laughs> um, so do the ads get wigs glued to their head? Is that what it is? Because that's what it kind of seems like. Because this giant hair on their heads. That's right? what it seems like. That's what it seems like. Um, and then they get the picture taken of themselves, and they are the subject of the calendar. Much deserved subject of the calendar. They get their comeuppance. Um. They rounded out this episode with a good don't be creepy message. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> I think it needed it. It did need it. <laughs> I liked that one. That one uh, That one gave me some laughs. It was definitely a change of pace compared to the other episodes. Yeah, I think these get better as they go on. Yes, definitely. You can, you can tell after those first two episodes that they're kind of hitting their stride already with yeah, what they want the show to be. Kind of laid the groundwork. Mm-hmm. So we're already on to episode six. And so 6A is an Ed Too Many. Uh, that's Mike Kubat, Jono Howard, and Danny Antonucci. They wrote that one. Uh, and the Eds, they are on the search for four-leaf clovers. Because uh, good luck means they can talk people into anything. Yeah, that is what it means. <laughs> that's yes. what good luck means. <laughs> um, Ed finds a rare flower instead, but Eddie is able to find that uh, four-leaf clover. Um, turns out though, Ed is hungry and he gets scared by his own stomach, which is pretty dang funny. I (laughs) got a kick out of that. Uh, so I, they're doing what any other 12 year old group of boys would do. And they're going to go make a pizza from scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I did that all the time. All the time. Uh, (laughs) but before they go do that, double D, he still has the flower and, uh, the ads run across Sarah and Jimmy. And Jimmy knows what the flower is. And he asks him, is that a baby blue gym sock? Like, <laughs> what, a, what a goofy, goofy cartoon name for a flower like that. Uh, Double D gives the flower to Sarah. Uh, and that was a mistake on Double D's part. Big mistake. Big mistake. She is infatuated with Double D now and for the rest of the segment. Um, so now they're making the pizza. And obviously it's going to be a debacle. Like there's no way it was going to go, go yeah. smoothly. <laughs> no way whatsoever. And they just end up with that gigantic pizza dough, which is hilarious. <laughs> that, that whole thing is just hilarious. Uh, but Sarah's at the door. Uh, she is in love with double D and doing everything she possibly can to get near him. Right. Yeah. Uh, obviously Ed and Eddie want to get rid of Sarah. She not having it though. <laughs> She's being very, very persistent. Yep. Uh, she says double D is her boyfriend, right? Yeah. Uh, little subplot. Jimmy's heart is broken over this. He Just... is so sad. <laughs> and even worse, his souffle, his souffle failed that he was going to have for lunch. <laughs> yep. Poor Jimmy and his souffle. Poor Jimmy. <laughs> At this time, though, the Eds, they're trying to avoid Sarah. And that's all they're trying to do now is just to avoid her. But they're not having any luck whatsoever doing that. And Jimmy turns bad. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Boy. Uh, Now, completely forgetting about the pizza, the Eds are making a full-size paper mache dinosaur because the kids will pay to see it. Yep. (laughs) It makes sense. Pizza, see you later. (laughs) Full-size dinosaur, I'm on it. Yeah. (laughs) Sarah crashes their little party though, and uh, the Eds 
work on the paper mache dino has been completely ruined at this point because of the craziness that went on in the garage. And it was ultimately uh, Eddie and Ed's fault because they were running with that ladder, right? And they get yep. flung back into it and completely destroy it. Um, so with that all taken care of and everything for the day probably completely destroyed, uh, the only thing for the Eds left to do is to try to get Jimmy and Sarah back together because that's the only way they're going to be rid of Sarah. They got to get Jimmy and Sarah back right, together. Right, right. Um, and it's going to be super easy. They just have to blindfold both of them and put them together. That's all it took. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> super easy. Um, good good luck that four leaf clover was huh there was no good luck for them not for them not for them whatsoever so eddie just tosses it but uh johnny comes across it and in two seconds finds a 20 dollar bill <laughs> finds a 20 dollar bill and all the ed's got out of it was being still hungry and just completely out of luck right <laughs> i got some good kicks out of this uh episode but it wasn't anything but just like a string of gags so right that's yeah, all yeah. it was that's all it was yeah um, still got a good kick out of it though. So the final segment in our six episode block here, it's called Ed and Seek and it's Jono Howard and Danny and Tanucci. Um, the episode or the segment opens up with the Ed's diving for change in the couches cause they want to get those jawbreakers, right? Yeah. Ed finds some chips and eats them. Of course. Of course. Um, uh, the Ed's are interrupted though by a game of hide and seek. They weren't sure what was going on right away, but they surmised quite quickly that it was a game of hide and seek. Yeah. And of course they want to play. I mean, who wouldn't want to play, right? Obviously. Obviously. Um, but so the other kids in the neighborhood, they decide they can play, but they have to be it and they do it. I mean, why not? You got to play. You got to be it sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So they get their first game going and uh, all the other kids, they're just instantly home free. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Immediately. So the Eds are it again. This time, though, they wise up and they bring home base with them. Yeah. Um, still having very little luck finding anybody. Double D makes heat vision goggles. So, wow. Way to go, Double D. Way to go, Double D. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, they do find start finding the hiders now. Uh, Sarah's in the shed. Johnny and Plank in a bush. Kevin in the gutters. <laughs> just got a yeah. good laugh out of. Um, Rolf in the lawnmower. And uh, we don't get to see where Nas is hiding, though. She just ends up being there at the end. Yep. Um, still need to find Jimmy, though. Uh, but home base is missing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, though, Jimmy makes a break for the for home base and uh, almost get there. But almost he almost gets there, but. Ed tackles him. <laughs> Ed just straight up tackles him. So that means Jimmy's it. Uh, it's time for the Eds to hide, and they decide to hide in a metal shrub with lots of snacks, which is a pretty great hiding spot if you could ever find one, right? <laughs> yeah, I always liked it as a kid. I thought that'd be sick to have one of those, especially if it was loaded with snacks. Oh, uh, boy. One funny thing about that was the Eds say pop. Which, if you're not from the upper Midwest, everybody else calls it soda. But yeah. this show is produced in Canada, and they say pop, too. So That's awesome. I appreciated that, because it's pop forever. It is pop. <laughs> um, unfortunate for them, unfortunately for them, uh, all the carbonation buildup from their little uh, pop fight with those pop cans yeah. uh, explodes the shrub. And they are uh, now exposed out in the open. And Jimmy's on the way to get them. Um, Ed's get, uh, going to hide in the, the, the Ed's go to hide in a compost bin 
but the cankers are already in there. Of course. Right? And Eddie says, I didn't know you were playing. <laughs> Who's playing? <laughs> so <laughs> they spend their free time in compost bins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get some more hiding gags, which I thought were great with Eddie in the painting, yep. Double D in the fish tank, Ed on TV. Um, all that stuff was great. And the Eds do make it to home base. And as a matter of fact, they absolutely crash into it. And, yep. uh, is it uh, Ed that keeps dropping the, the big branch on their head over and over and yep. over at yep. the end of that? Yeah. Um, and that wraps up that episode. You know, it was a pretty quick one, a pretty easy, uh, pretty easy premise, pretty easy idea for what it was. Something that I'm sure almost everybody can relate to. Yeah. Uh, playing sure. hide and seek in the neighborhood with your friends. You know, I can definitely relate to that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, do you want to hit me with uh, some overall impressions of this, uh, six episode block that we just went through? Just your overall gut feeling for it. It's great. It definitely brings me back to my childhood. I'd say, you know, in the beginning few episodes, none of it is like fall on the floor laughter, but they really set it up. And I, I do believe it gets better and better each episode. So I'm really excited to keep watching. We'll have to wait a while, but well, we have to wait a while to record the podcast. We don't have to wait a while to watch more, I guess. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I I just love the show. I, I love the still backgrounds, like we said. I love the Looney Tune-esque. And Every character is hilarious. Like you said, Rolf, we haven't got a lot of Rolf yet, but he gets so great as the show keeps mm-hmm. going. So, yeah, it's really good setup. All the characters are awesome. What do you think about it? Yeah, I really agree with you. It is a great show. Um, I've mentioned it before in this podcast. This is kind of homework for me, and I really it was a show that I had seen, but I really appreciate it a lot more. Uh, now, after doing this homework and watching it a few times, I really liked it a lot. Uh, it does a really good job of capturing like what it was like to be as a kid in the 90s, you know. Right, it does. Uh, even their styles and stuff, especially that uh, late 90s look that they all have with the super baggy pants and the chain wallets and yep, all that yeah. type of stuff. Like it just really brings me back to that time of 1997, 1998, 1999. It just And you I, find more about D stocking cap, but the yes, stocking cap yes. in the summer with shorts. Yeah. Like, why <laughs> yeah. is he doing that? But there's more behind that later in the series. Mm-hmm. And just like you, I loved the animation style. Um, yes. It makes me pine for cell animated uh, animation. Yeah. It just has a, a life to it, you know? Like right. it's, I don't know, like... People kind of say the same thing about LPs versus, you know, uh, CDs, that it's richer, it's fuller, it has yeah. more substance. And I you, I think you can say the same thing about cell animated, you can say the same thing about cell animated animation. I agree. Um, I really like the sound usage in every one of these episodes, the oh, sound yeah. effects, all the sound design, the doorbells when Ed gets hit in the head, like I yep. just, ding dong. Whenever he gets hit in the head, like I mentioned, the motorcycle sounds for uh, Kevin's uh, bicycle. And, of course, the various splats and squishes and gloops and stuff when they're doing gross stuff. It's always always enjoyable to hear those sound effects. And they do a really good job in this series of using sound. I really like it a lot. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I love the intro to this show. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. didn't skip it one time. Mm -hmm. Well, you were watching on DVD, but I watched on HBO Max and didn't skip it once. Too good. It is really, really good. I debated on uh, opening the show with whistling the theme, but I decided, (laughs) nah, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to introduce this show to my kiddo. 
Definitely. maybe a couple of years, just a year or two more, and she'll be able to enjoy this show. Yeah. It'll be good for her. I think it would be a really good show. Get your jawbreakers ready. <laughs> That's right. Because the biggest thing about it, too, is it's not offensive. It's not It's not uh, controversial. It's no. good. It's wholesome. It's just yeah. really good, wholesome television that anybody can watch. Right. After watching Ren and Stimpy and Rocco, this is very non-controversial yes. compared to those. Yes, yeah. it really is. It's a kind of a different thing completely. And Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I like a good controversy as the next person, but to just have like good, wholesome television. Right. That's also not bland. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not dumb. It's not dumb, <laughs> but it's not educational. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's way more like a Looney Tunes where it's, yeah. it's really good. It's not educational. It's entertaining. Um, I guess I don't have anything else to really talk about with the, uh, the homework assignment that we had or the homework review, I should say. I don't think so either. Well, let's move on over to that homework assignment. This one was a emailer suggestion. Man Bear Pig uh, <laughs> 074. There you go, man. Your wish has come true. Yep, your wish has been granted. We're doing Cable Guy, which Cable was re- guy. which was released June 14th, 1996, directed by Ben Stiller, which is shocking. I I found that out just now. <laughs> it's got to be one of his first directed movies. It's got to be one of his first. It's got to be. Um, written by Lou Holtz Jr., and this is his one and only writing credit. Weird. His, yeah, he was an older gentleman, too, when he wrote this. Um, his father, Lou Holtz Sr., is a very famous vaudevillian actor from, like, the 1800s. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I just I thought you were little... going to say he's a very famous cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That would have been very funny. Maybe he moonlighted as a cable guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the box office for this one was $102.8 million worldwide. Not very much money. Not a lot. $194.1 million today, so not a lot of money. Not but, a lot of money. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really well received by the public. But. but that doesn't mean it's not awesome. And to be fair, this is what Man Bear Pig said was his favorite underrated. Agreed. Movie. Oh, nothing against this movie whatsoever. Uh, the cast in this one is uh, the venerable Jim Carrey as Ernie Chip Douglas, the cable guy. Matthew Broderick. I'm a fan of Matthew Broderick. Yep. Stephen M. Kovacs. Leslie Mann. Robin Harris. So Leslie Mann, you know, she's been in uh, quite a few comedies also. Yep. Uh, George Segal as Earl Kovacs. Jack Black as Rick. So this has got to be an early role for Jack Black. You know, the first time I ever saw Jack Black was on an uh, episode of X-Files. That's crazy. Yeah, he was on episode X Files. Um, let's see who else is in this. Ben Stiller, he makes a uh, uh, part in this as well as directs it. Right? Isn't that what I said? Yep. Mm-hmm. Eric Roberts as himself, so that's fun. I like Eric Roberts. He's a funny guy. Owen Wilson. This one's got to be an early one for him too. David Cross and Andy Dick. Andy Dick does not hold up very well today, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Bob Odenkirk. I'm a big fan of Bob Odenkirk too. Oh yeah. Um. This movie, like I said, kind of obtained a cult status now uh, years past its release. It was not originally well-received by the public, even though it was critically lauded. So critics liked it. It was uh, uh, popular with the critics, even looking at some of the reviews. Like, here we go. I'll look at the box right now. Read it live. Uh, so Janine Wolf, uh, Janine Wolf's Hollywood, whoever that is and whatever that is, yeah. says, Hysterically funny. Jim Carrey delivers laugh-filled, out-of-control comedy. So that's on the on the box. 
I ordered it from Amazon, the DVD, because the Blu-ray was too expensive. Yep. And uh, my receiver should do a good enough job of uh, upgrading the signal to 4K, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, this is kind of homework for me again. I've maybe seen it twice in 20 years, so it's not something that I've seen a whole bunch. Agreed. I I would say probably two or three times in my lifetime I've seen this. Right, and I think uh, I saw it on TV, and then I think I may have gotten it from Netflix one time. I remember getting it in the mail, so yeah, I think I've seen it once as a TV edit and once as its original theatrical edit, so it's going to be pretty new for me, and I'm excited to do, to watch this movie. It's Maybe one you consider, you could say, has fallen through the cracks a little bit for me because for sure. people do like it now, especially. Yeah. Um, and then uh, lastly here, something that I've been meaning to do and I'm going to try to do more often in the podcast. This one is rated PG-13. So if you're under 13, go ask mommy and daddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, with that all taken care of, are you ready for the outro, Trav? I'm ready. It's time to get into the email section. It. So our first email is from Ryan Dunbar, a.k.a. The Beard, a.k.a. one of my best friends who used to be my manager at GameStop back in the day. He finally emailed us with a good one here. Um, he said, given the success of Top Gun Maverick, what other 80s and 90s movies deserve the sequel, remake, reboot treatment? I will go first. I've poured a lot of thought into this over the day here. I was going to do more research into it and really dive deep into it. But then I was like, you know what? I don't need to be that extreme about it. Just right. tell me what you think. Right? Yeah. Tell me what you think. So I thought of a couple right away. And I'm like, oh, it's already been done. Oh, it's already been done. I was like, total recall. That could really, oh, no, that was redone already. Yep. And I was like, Mad Max, let's do, oh, dang it, Mad Max, that's already getting redone. But then I finally thought of a couple of decent ones, I think. Let's hear them. I would love to see a sequel to Roger Rabbit. There we go. I think that would be a whole heck of a lot of fun. And that uh, there's a sequel in, I don't know. In spirit, kind of. Did you see the Chippendale movie? The I, have, I have not. It's on Disney Plus, and it is kind of the same idea with sure. all the different cartoon universes coming together. But a straight sequel to Roger Rabbit would be great. I would really like that. Mm-hmm. A straight sequel to The Mask. That would be great, too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then if I were to pick an action film that I would like to see a remake, a complete remake of, I think it would be The Running Man. So that's a classic Arnold. Uh, it's a uh, Stephen King short story turned into a movie, and... If you could get Arnold back in some aspect for that, or I mean, he couldn't he couldn't be the character he was then, but yeah, um, I think a a redo or a remake of The Running Man would be really cool. It's one of my favorite movies from the eighties. So. Yeah, I mean, he's really close with Chris Pratt now that Chris Pratt's True. like married to his True. daughter. There you go. Yeah, he could that, that would be good. Um, it's funny that you say you you wanted to get all into it and look up some research. I was the same mentality right away, and I'm like. I'm not going to look anything up. I'm just, what pops into my head. So I came up with three as well. A couple that I've said I like already. Nightmare Before Christmas could use a sequel, in my opinion, because every time I watch it, I still, when he gets to the trees with all the different holidays, I want him to walk into a different tree than he does. I think they could, again, that's animated. The voice actors are still alive and well, so they could very easily just do a sequel for that. I think that would be awesome. Um, happy Gilmore. <laughs> yep. you, you golf until you're 70 plus so that it, 
completely makes sense, you know. Some I don't know if it would be him having to get money again somehow, but just let's say Shooter McGavin finally mastered Happy Gilmore's stroke, so now they got to <laughs> yeah. actually battle again or something. That would be great. And then the last one I thought of is The Sandlot. Oh, I think cool. With all them older now, they could all be like on some minor league team or something, and maybe one or two of them is actually in the pros or whatever. I thought that would be fun. Or it could even be like their kids now, because that movie yeah. took place in the 50s, right? I think so, right? Because Babe Ruth is supposedly like alive and well in that movie. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it took place in the 50s. Because you could do the same thing with like maybe their kids set in the 90s or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. For I sure. like that. That's a good pick. I like that. All right. So our next email comes from, well, it's from Lauren. I told her to email it, but she's a procrastinator. So she just told it to me. Lauren wants to know our biggest man crush, and it does not have to be 80s or 90s. Hmm. <laughs> biggest man crush. Um, so you give me 1984 Harrison Ford every day, all every day, day. <laughs> every day, all day. Um, yeah, I think I'll go with, uh, yeah, I'm going to go 1984 Harrison Ford. I think that's my biggest man crush. If you're going to go man, but 1986 Tom Cruise though. I was going <laughs> to say 1986 Tom Cruise. 1986 Tom Cruise though. I'm not afraid to admit I got man crushes. So no way, man. for sure, if we're saying 80s, 90s, I mean, give me some 1986 Tom Cruise for sure. <laughs> it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Yeah, I'm I'm crushing after a couple podcasts ago. But if we're just saying in general, overall, my biggest man crush, rest in peace, is Andy Whitfield, the lead actor of Spartacus, mm, my favorite yes. show. Uh, and then another one of my favorite shows, uh, True Blood, Alexander Skarsgård, plays one of the main characters in that, uh, the brother of Bill Skarsgård, who's in the new Er it movie. Uh, he's he's a good looking dude. <laughs> I, I, I like him. We'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> it's from Lauren, great. so she knows no, there's nothing suspicious here. <laughs> great, all great choices, all great choices. Um, you you are a hundred percent right though. The the king of the mountain, the top of the heap is 1986 Tom Cruise. It's, it's gotta be. It's <laughs> really, it's really be. hard to beat 1986 Tom Cruise. <laughs> Shirtless in them jeans, playing volleyball, you know. Uh, All right, next email comes from, I hate that clown, wants to know, what was your favorite county fair food? Oh, favorite county fair food is definitely going to be the cheese curds. Yeah. Um, it was always the go-to. Just get the big old bucket of cheese curds, eat them all until you can't eat anymore, until you feel really sick from eating them, one or the other. Um, if you're going to go sweet, sweet treat, um, I would have I would go for the shaved ice or the snow cone every time. There you go. I like it. I put cheese curds as well, of course. Cheese curds, corn dogs. That's my fair food. And if we're going sweets, uh, I like them mini donuts. Ooh, yep. Good call. I despise corn dogs. Despise them. So does Lauren. Lauren hates corn dogs. The smell of corn dogs. All of it. Everything. That's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Just the other day, she said, you're going to get our kids to like corn dogs. I said, of course I am. Next email here comes from It Could Be Our Milk wants to know what was your favorite county fair game to play 
So they're all rigged every time, no matter what, right? Of course. Um, but uh, go st- uh, tried and true, uh, dart for a balloon. That, yes. This is always fun. Um, if you're not going to choose that one, then you got to go for the ring toss on the Coke bottles. Yep. And then the third, the third choice would probably be the baseball for the milk cans. Yeah. If they have that one, or if they have the baseball for the plates, right. I like that one better. The plates, but yeah. you saw the milk cans more often. Right. I. Those are all excellent choices. I was going to say the only non-rigged one throwing darts at balloons. Yeah, that's yeah. the only one. And when we were kids, did you also have like the prizes were maybe like an eight by eight little metal picture frame of random bands or stuff like that? Uh, yes, I do. I do vaguely remember that being there for prizes. So I had a shit ton of those because <laughs> that was the only game I could do good at. Um, yeah. So our next question comes from, you can trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Wants to know what was your favorite food or treat that your grandma made? Well, if you go to my mom's side, if you go to good old Albertine Johnson, she made this Asian hot dish that uh, was amazing. And anytime that uh, if I visited without my family, she always made sure to make that. If we were in Fargo for more than a couple of visits, she would always make it for the family. So that's uh, what sticks out for me is that Asian hot dish with the egg noodles on top. I'm sure you know what I'm talking Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's a pretty common one around this part of the country, I think. Nice. I absolutely love that. And then if you go for the Morehouse side, good old Dorothy Morehouse, she was a really good cook too. Um, she made these amazing hams at Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know what it was about them, but absolutely, absolutely loved them. Uh, she made this raisin jelly sauce that would go on the ham. Yeah. It was amazing. amazing. It was amazing. And I haven't had it in decades now because, I mean, she passed away a few years ago, but she stopped making hams for 40 people probably about 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, I definitely miss that. I miss that raisin sauce. The raisin sauce. Mm-hmm. Yep, for me, same thing. Rest in peace, Grandma. I'm not here to bash her. But she was not some, like, crazy, amazing cook by any means, but she could cook the sweets for sure. So my favorite was the Christmas cookies. She made chocolate chip, which were above average, and then she made cut-out Christmas-shaped sugar cookies, and those were the bee's knees. I, <laughs> I, would, I would get my own batch because I would plow through the community cookies for everybody at the Christmas, so she started eventually just making me my own batch so I wouldn't take down all the cookies. So the next question here comes from, what are you, my therapist? Take a Walk wants to know our favorite underrated Chris Farley movie. Favorite underrated Chris Farley movie. So not Tommy Boy or Black Sheep. (laughs) No. Uh, So the last one that he made, American Ninja, what was that one called? I think that's what it's, or Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja. Um, It's not a great movie by Mm. any means whatsoever, and I would love to actually probably do that one on the podcast, but it's one that I've seen probably a dozen times. Yeah. Um, I would probably say that one. Uh, Did you ever see his very last one? That he died during the making of? No. It was like the, it was kind of like a Lewis and Clark thing. It was. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Like almost heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I put. That's what you put. Okay, okay, okay. He died in the making of that. Yeah, during that one. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, 
That is mine, Almost I Heroes. figured, because that's got uh, Chandler Bang in yes, it. Yes, <laughs> Matthew Perry is in that. Oh, I love that movie so much when Chris Farley is trying to steal the eagle's egg to eat some food, and the eagle keeps attacking him, and he rolls down the <laughs> hill repeatedly over and over. Uh, that's That definitely will have to be a podcast eventually. Um, but that wraps up our questions, so here we are. Reminder, next week's homework is The Cable Guy. And make sure you guys are emailing us. I'm happy we got some emails this week. Uh, check us or email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the Twitter, Overdue Homework, Instagram, Overdue Homework Podcast. Thanks for listening, and as always, and make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast. <laughs>